In partnership with Paizo, the No Direction Network welcomes you to our Gen Con online seminar coverage. Hi, everybody. I'm Joe Pacini, Starfinder's lead designer, and we're here today to talk about the newest Starfinder playtest uh, for Nanosites, uh, which is a new class, and mechs, which I think need no introduction. But who does need introduction are my two co-panelists here. Why don't you go ahead, John? Hi, I'm John Compton. I'm Starfinder Senior Developer. And Thirsty? Hello, I'm Thurston Hillman. I am the Starfinder Society Developer. Cool. So we're here today to talk to you all about the playtest, uh, sort of give you an idea of what Paizo playtesting even is in the first place, uh, in case you're new to this whole process. And then we'll, we'll cover nanosites in greater detail, the cool new class, and mechs in greater detail. And then we'll have some time at the end for questions. So be ready with those questions. We'll be keeping an eye on chat. Um, we already have a question for John if he has a guitar, so we'll, we'll hold that till the end. Very, uh, the public needs to know. Um, so I wanted to start, uh, we can go to the first slide here, uh, which is just repeating what we said, which is who we are and how great we are, um, and has cool art from, I think, the Starship Operations Manual, right? Because surprise, when you're doing a playtest, you don't have art yet. So we got to steal art. <laughs> we need to playtest cool what places. the art will be. Come on. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but this is totally a mech battle taking place in a simulation. Um, if we go to the next slide, I want to talk a little bit about playtesting with Paizo. So Paizo has a long history of public playtesting uh, for several of its games, uh, systems. Here we've got the three character operations manual classes that came out. Uh, was it last year? I have such, such trouble keeping track. <laughs> it's all a blur when we're on a six month delay. Any, any, any case, we got a lot of really helpful feedback from playtesting those classes that fundamentally changed uh, how they play and for the better. And that's kind of the idea here is that, you know, as a, as a writer or freelancer, I hate sharing my first drafts of things because I want it to be done and perfect in every possible way before anyone sees it. But this is sort of the antithesis of that where we say, hey, here's what we're thinking. Tell us what you think, actually use it because we can play test it internally all we want. We can poke at the corners, um, but we're never gonna get the kind of feedback and information that we get from hundreds or thousands of people trying this out and letting us know what they think. And you know, constructive criticism is, is what we're after. So. You know, we have feelings too, but don't worry about hurting them. Just tell us what you think of the class uh, and the mech system. So up on the screen, there's starfinderplaytest.com. You can just type that in and you'll get directed to our, our playtest landing page. And that has links to the forums, uh, obviously a link to the playtest document, which has both the class and mechs. Now, of course, you don't have to playtest both. Uh, you don't have to play test anything really, but we'd love for you to check something out. Uh, if you're interested in the class, you can totally just check out the class, build one, play with your friends and be done with it. Take our survey, let us know what you think. Um, the playtest runs for both the Nanosite and Mechs runs until September 18th. So you have all of August uh, and then a little bit of September. I, we also, of course, have our, our lost Galarian friends in Pathfinder doing a playtest that starts think I wrote it down. It's September 7th. So there's a little tiny bit of overlap. If you're if you're just play test mad, then you're going to want to, you know, <laughs> allot your time accordingly. But uh, in any case, 
Uh, I mean, one way or another, they're going to want to get playtesting early. That way they can get several different games in so they can get a great taste of what the playtest is about and get us awesome information so they can shape the future of Starfinder. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, John. Um, I also wanted to mention that there, the, the surveys will save your progress. So if you get a chance to build a nanosite and you haven't gotten a chance to actually play it yet, go ahead and, and check out the survey, see what kind of information, what kind of answers you can give, whatever you want to tell us. And then if you get a chance to actually play the nanosite before the playtest ends, you can come back and then finish, finish out that uh, survey. So it's, it's updatable. If you change your mind, if you decide, oh, I hated this, but now I love it. So you can, you can go change that one to a five. Uh, uh, there, so how to play test? Well, there are as many ways to play test this stuff as there are players out there. But generally, uh, we'd like to see people building nanosite classes, uh, building a mech, and then if possible, taking it into a scenario, you know, using a, any number of our published scenarios or adventure paths, or, you know, your homebrew setting is totally cool. As long as you're using the rules of Starfinder as written uh, and the rules of the playtest as written, even if some of them are a little off or don't make sense. Um, we have really important clarifications are on, again, the forums. So if you go to starfinderplaytest.com, you'll see a link to the forums and you'll see any really important uh, top level stuff that we need to communicate to you to, so that you can actually play test for us. Uh, and another way to play test that's pretty exciting, specifically the nanosite class uh, is in organized play. So Thirsty, you wanna talk yeah. about that a bit? I, I certainly do. Um, so one of the things we learned with the character operations manual playtest is that organized play can bring a lot of different eyes and a lot of different players to this process. And we really wanted to make sure that we were able to get new people coming in and, and looking at these from, from different angles and organized play being one of them uh, pr provides a unique opportunity. Now, what we've done is similar to what we did with the character operations manual playtest, which is we provide some basic framework rules for creating a nanosite character of uh, first, fourth, or eighth level. So you can test out a few different permutations. Also plays in most of our scenarios, except for like super, super high level stuff. So that's cool. Uh, let's also, lets you get credit so you get your your credit for your regular characters as sort of a thank you for for doing this so kind of a, a full win for everybody as, as they're playing through this now one other thing to sort of keep in mind with the the play test is uh we're we're keeping an eye on it we've already certainly seen a few questions relating to well how is this going to work in organized play for the nano site particular we're working on getting some clarifications out there on on how some of that's going to work but for now follow those those basic guideline rules and you could just kind of go in and and test it out and i should have mentioned uh this book that uh which we sort of stealth announced by announcing this playtest called tech revolution and about which we've said very little uh which is very exciting right uh, is coming out july of next year it's the gen con release so it's kind of this nice full circle where here at Gen Con, we're talking about playtesting cl this class and, and this system. And hopefully next year, we'll have released something that is better for your participation. So I'm very excited about that. Um, did either John or Thirsty have anything to say about playtesting for Paizo in general that you wanted to share with folks? Yeah, I can, I can certainly talk to that. Um, like playtesting is a time to noodle around. Like play with the most extreme builds that you can, play with something that just sort of hey, this inspired me and I pieced it together. Did it work? 
um, playtesting is also a great time to be thinking about what the inspirations are for what you think of when you think of nanites or when you think of mechs and what you want to see out of the system. Because Starfinder in many ways uh, presents a science fantasy game setting where you can do a whole lot of existing tropes and themes and almost replicate a lot of other uh, properties. <laughs> so play around with it. If you want your mechs to be Gundam-like and Gundam is what is in your head, try out the mechs and see, do these kind of meet what I want? Or am I a battle tech aficionado? Cool, try it out. Does this scratch the itch? Because um, we're certainly aiming to get a certain amount of flexibility into this because there are so many types of mechs out there. Um, and you're letting us know about how we're hitting that mark is is super handy. Yeah, we'll say spoiler. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, oh no, I, I was I was just gonna kind of add on and say that um, in addition to what John said, like make those kind of ridiculous, wacky builds because that's really at the core of what a playtest is, is so we can identify any mechanical problems and look at them, but also really look at themes that you're seeing. Is this is this a class that you think could do with theme that you want to play but maybe doesn't have that specific option or that specific setup yet now is also a good time to, to kind of have some of those suggestions to send our way I mean obviously we can't use them all but as we're you know looking forward to new books as we're looking forward to content that will support this after tech revolution it's great to get that out because these playtests also act as resources um, and one other thing I wanted to say specifically for your play side of things is um, for mechs we don't have a um, specific organized play, um, go in and play mechs. And part of that is, is we don't really have a, um, a enemy mech for you to fight that's pre-statted out already. And, and, and so, you know, your GM could kind of throw a like terrifying thing at you and you might not like that in an org play environment. So we wanted to, to avoid that. But if you're doing that, that play testing in a, in a group where you want to test this out, one thing that we are putting in that, in that, um, that review or that, sorry, that playtest survey is, you know, do, are you an active organized play player? And that type of information is really important. So while you might not think that organized play has a mech, you know, component to it, um, being doing that playtest and saying you're an active or play player, really good for the organized play community. It lets us kind of get a sense of like how many of our, how many members of our community are active in this playtesting, you know, helps us out, look at resource allocation, like, wow, there's a lot of people in organized play who really like mechs. Maybe we should do some mech stuff. That really helps. So just something to be aware of. Yeah, those are great points. Um, I'm realizing that, you know, uh, I didn't, I talked about how, maybe how to play test, but what do you do once you're done play testing and you want to tell us what you think and tell us what you know, because you have hands-on experience now. There are obviously millions of avenues. There's Reddit and Discord and this Twitch chat and uh, the forums, uh, you know, in general, including the forums that we've set up specifically for this playtest. But the number one way is going to be our surveys, which again are at starfinderplaytest.com. Uh, they're, they're both, they're two separate surveys, so you don't have to take, you don't have to answer any questions about mechs if you're only testing the nanosite, vice versa. Uh, and those are really going to be the most quantifiable ways we can look at people's information. And both surveys have sort of free form sections at the end where you can tell us anything that we didn't cover in that survey. So if you know, we're asking you questions, I, I wanted to say to John's earlier point about how many different kinds of mechs there are, there is a question in there about which kinds of mechs are you most interested in representing in Starfinder? And there's a huge list and it's kind of, I'm watching it in the background you know, as a little race between different properties. Um, 
but you can also, but I'm also using it as a, a sneaky way to learn about cool new mech properties that I had no idea about, because of course there's an other option where you can type in your own favorite uh, mech, uh, you know, uh, media. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, surveys are the number one way to do it. Of course, we're gonna be looking at the playtest forums. Of course, we're gonna be answering your questions today and, and looking at what you have to say today. Uh, but surveys are definitely the number one way to, to get heard by us about what you wanna see in these, in these this class in this system. So uh, with all that said, let's let's dive into a little bit more about the nanosite. So kind of want to use this time not to just talk about because the playtest documents out there, you could be looking at it right now as you as you play along at home. Uh, but I would love to hear more. So we have the author of the nanosite uh, class with us today. It's John Compton, <laughs> uh, which is great. So I'd love to hear about some sort of inspirations behind the class, uh, our methodology for getting it to you. So it started in kind of a, the, the, the group mind and is now sitting in a text document. So how did that happen? And then talk a little bit about sort of the big picture abilities, just a summary of what the nanosite can do and specific things we're looking for. So starting with sort of inspirations for the class and where did this class come from, John? Do you want to talk about that a bit? Yeah, I mean, nanites, have, nanites are kind of one of the magic uh, answers to sci-fi and to an extent science fantasy, where it's like, how can we make the how can we make this thing happen? Nanites or nanite person, do you have this power? I do now because plot demands it. Nanites can do anything, um, and that is both wonderful because it plays into so many sci-fi tropes and themes. It's also a horrific curse because it is a class that, in a way, wants to be do able to do absolutely everything and anything. So it's. It's a real struggle of a, of a creation. Um, in terms of the process of that, the inspiration I think you were asking about, Joe? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, like uh, just the, the idea of somebody who's able to throw swarms of stuff around, uh, who's able to whip people with gray goo or um, able to uh, send little nanites around to spy, things like that. Um, that's just a cool visual to me. Uh, of somebody who has all these little pores and is just able to kind of go bleh, uh, and and do something productive with it. Um, so sound effect than... <laughs> may vary, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, sound effects are your business. Uh, we don't have a playtest <laughs> question about that, unfortunately. That's true. Uh, it would have been too difficult to transliterate all the different sound effects. Um, so uh, you can put that in the, if you have other comments, uh, question at the very end. <laughs> yes. Um, but there are there are a lot of different uh, character inspirations for folks who have nanites or some form of like augmentation technology in their system. Um, but even the one whose visuals I just really really love the most, who's not technically nanites, um, is actually from the Naruto TV show. Uh, there's a Shino Aburame guy who has just bugs crawling through his body and can swarm them out and eat people's faces off. And I find that visual is deeply gratifying. Um, and so there's an extent to that where I'm just like, can I play somebody who's creating that same feel, that same effect? Um, the yeah, answer is, yeah. Jump in and, and say, I, I like what you added to the class. Uh, and it sort of carries on with Starfinder themes of the way, the exact way your abilities work is totally up to you. So can you, can you tell us a couple ways that you might have ended up with control of nanites? Because I think that's a really compelling feature of the class. Yeah. Um, so 
how you get nanites is totally up to you and the nature of the nanites is totally up to you. Mm. I've seen a couple of initial questions already from folks being like, well, does this thing technically affect them if I make them like Magitech nanites? And it's like, eh, doesn't matter. Like nanites are nanites for the purpose of this class. So if you want to have magically created nanites within your system, you could. If you want to do the mad scientist trope where you are like the background of at least 10% of all Marvel comic villains, you can. Um, and you experiment on yourself and nanite person. Um, that's totally fine. If you want to have been infected by some sort of thing that was supposed to be an attack form, but in fact found a welcome home in your body and now you're buddies, you could totally do that. Like all these are options and way more. Um, can you talk to your nanites? Can you actually communicate with them? Bleh, your call. Um, I mean, there are only a couple of abilities that really key off of that. So it's not a critical thing. So like you can put in all sorts of little bits of flavor into these nanites and they will mechanically work in the same way, but they can tell so many different stories. I say one of my favorite uh, headcanons I saw was somebody talking about the Spathinae, which is a species in Starfinder that is already a swarm of bugs. So you could be a Spathinae nanosite. Uh, and in their in their version, and I'm sorry, I, I'm not forgetting the name or even where I saw it because there's <laughs> we're checking so many places for information on this. Uh, but every every bug has a little nanosite buddy, and they all just <laughs> they all work together too. <laughs> to swarm all over the place. I just love that. I mean, I love the idea of a fractal character who is nanites yeah. within nanites within, and then we create a feat that your nanites can now have nanites. <laughs> okay. You now take 500% damage from all area effects. <laughs> Get wrecked. <laughs> I think now it's important to mention the the best quote related to nanites, which is nanomachine sun, which if you've, <laughs> if you've ever seen the best, uh, or at least what I would view as the quintessential uh, nano site inspiration would be senator stephen armstrong from the metal gear uh, from the metal gear series um who which which is someone I, I i adore because it's a person and anyone could could be a nano site you could have you know a politician in the pack world who is secretly a nano site and could be going around doing things there's there's so so much different visual representation with this class that you could just be i am a bug standard person uh, in a campaign. So like as a GM, it also offers up this really unique way of introducing like powerful villains. Because how many times are you like, all right, now I have to justify that like this big political villain is has secretly been a, a witch warper the whole time, even though they've never like with the nanosite, you can you can hide a lot of that, which I really like. It gives some really awesome uh, NPC availability. Yeah, speaking of visuals, I should definitely mention that uh, this this art that's up on the slide right now. Again, <laughs> we don't have art yet. Uh, you you may, if you're prescient enough, you might have noticed that when we introduce new classes, we often introduce a new iconic character. This is not the new iconic <laughs> nanosite character. Uh, we're not going with an undead <laughs> who is vomiting swarms of nanites, but it was the closest start we could find. And I think it's evocative. So it's a good Starfinder Society scenario too, right? Eh? It's yeah. true, yeah. Which which scenario is that? <laughs> um it is two <laughs> putting on the dash spot. zero two. two. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> nice. I do things always in numbers and I can totally stall long enough to bring up the name of that scenario because <laughs> I think I that's am... from like it, it dwells below or something like that. Uh, it uh waking the past actually. Waking, waking the past. The past. Nice. That's the one. It's it's a, it's a spooky adventure where you should be totally totally ready to run away from threats. You should play it, it's cool. <laughs> Gives you a little taste of what Danites can do. Yay. Yeah. Uh, how about 
do you want to talk about John sort of, I don't know how interesting the methodology is. Maybe we skip to sort of the big picture abilities of the nanosite for people who haven't had a chance to dive in fully to the, to the class. I think there's one quick thing to say about uh, the process. And that's yeah. that uh, the Starfinder team, when we approach having a new class, we're, we're looking for novel things to do. Uh, so that way it's not just, oh, this is a soldier but, or this is a mechanic if only uh, this little variant. Um, we're always trying to find new ground to cover. Um, so it's always a high bar uh, for pitching these new classes and we can, and Nanosite went through a lot of those hoops of like, how can we refine this? How can we refine that? What does this do at the table? Uh, what is this role in the group? Um, what is this better than for certain things? And what is this going to make a conscious effort to not overshadow? Uh, all this is a big part of our internal uh, design process. Um, and the playtest only refines it. It's a great point. Uh, so yeah, so abilities. So the main thing <laughs> that your uh, nanosite can do is that they have this ability called the nanite array. And the nanite array is basically your personal colony of nanites. And your colony or your array acts kind of like a cohesive unit um, where it's all trying to do, or the majority of it's trying to do one thing at a time. And you can say, I want you to become a cloud and eat people's faces. And they'll be like, you got it. Uh, and then you'll be like, wait, next turn, uh, come back. I need a laser rifle. It's like, we know how to make a laser rifle. You got it, Captain. And they will form into a laser rifle for you to use uh, around a battery that will then be used as the ammunition. Um, or if you want, you can just say, everybody back in and they will flood back into your body. This is called the sheath array, which is where they're personally reinforcing you or even covering part of you. It'll give you a little bit of like extra defense. It'll help you move faster, uh, things like that, where when you think about the augmented super strength sort of figure uh, who has the nanites to make them super cool, this is the sheath array. So yeah, uh, gear, clouds, and the sheath mode. Uh, are all of the uh, main things that your nanites are trying to do. And again, you can redirect them mid-combat. So a lot of, a lot of the design um, play that we had was how can we make it so that as a nanosite, you are inclined to sort of switch between different modes as you're going. Um, you can certainly play always using like, you know, here's my gear, uh, my nanite gear, autocannon. You could walk around and never change out of the autocannon and you could still have a great time. But it, you're sort of incentivized to go cloud, now sword, now me, um, and, and have that flexibility. So that's one of the pieces. Uh, there's also a thing called uh, your nanite uh, surge. And nanite surges are a little pool of extra uses per day to do extra powerful things. This is where you are yelling at your nanite array to, no, go do the thing, but better. Like, come on, extra push. Um, so they will empower little bits of what you're doing. Uh, some of your abilities that you gain later on also call upon mana arrays. Think of this as a slightly different pool from your resolve points, which have their own uses that also show up in the class. Um, but this is just a, a couple of daily nudges um, that you can use with no guilt whatsoever. Um, but the nano, the nano site, uh, as they gain levels, gradually gains the more and more ability to become more of the swarm themselves. So it starts off with things like defensive dispersal where your nanites will form a brief shield or will in a split second melt part of your body into nanites and reform it as an attack comes in and goes through you. So it's a little defensive boost that you can do as a reaction. Um, but even later on, you can 
potentially gain the ability to melt down into a puddle or even a cloud of nanites yourself. Um, you can gain the ability to send your nanites to go out spying. You can um, do all sorts of wild stuff like that. So, so you just get more and more capabilities as you go. But you do start out at level one with all sorts of fun things to do. So yeah, you've got these three, three basic forms, arrays that you can send your nanites into, and then you get to choose how you want to modif further modify those, like which are interesting to you, yeah? It's a basic idea. Is there uh, anything in particular that y'all are interested in hearing from folks about them? We, we have specific survey questions, of course, uh, and then the free form answer, but is there anything you, now that the nanosite is out there with people you want to know about in terms of uh, feedback? Yeah, yeah. I I want to know how players are finding the nanosite fitting into their group dynamics. Like, does this class have have a good role that it is, you know, it's filling a niche, it's helping out, it's is it more of like a standalone kind of class? It, just where it's fitting in the party dynamic, because that's something I'm always keen on seeing with new classes is, is how it fits in and how, honestly, how it interacts with other classes. Because whilst we're, you know, having players play test, you know, a new class, it it is a class that's going into an ecosystem of existing classes. And so are, are people then going to come out and be like, if you have a witch warper who does this and a vanguard who does this and a technomancer who does this and the Katamari starts rolling, what happened? Like, I, I love seeing that come out of the community. Um, so really excited to see how it plays out with all of those different uh, connections. I'm really interested to uh, hear about how the rhythm of the class plays out in play, um, where it's like, did you end up switching between your arrays on a regular basis, or did you sit in one of them for most of the time? Yeah, for me, one of our open-ended questions on that survey in particular is, uh, and again, feel free to share this info with us in any vector you like, but the survey is where we're going to have the most consolidated view of it is, uh, is there something that you wanted your nanosite to do and you just couldn't do it? You looked around the class and you're like, wait, I don't get to do this cool thing that I should obviously be able to do as a nanosite because we're a bunch of creative, smart people. I'm talking mostly about John and the rest of the team here, but <laughs> we surely did not think of everything. And so I'm very interested to see if there's sort of a a groundswell, a grassroots movement towards like, yeah, of course, nanosites should be able to do this cool thing that you didn't even think of. And in that way, that, that's, for me, that's always the most exciting part of the playtest is getting cool ideas from the community, uh, from the, the group think that we can bolster the class with and make it even cooler in the final form. And the, what, what do you want it to be able to do that it can't, goes for not just abilities, but also think smaller things like, like what skills does it have access to? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. So that is going to cover us for the nanosite for now. We'll get back to it in the Q&A if you have any questions. But let's talk about the other component of this playtest, which is mechs. So kind of same questions to, uh, once again, John, along with Amanda Hammond, who is, you know, let's have a moment of silence, no longer with Paizo, moved on to cooler things, or also cool things. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the two of you got to write mechs. Uh, do you want to talk about inspirations for mechs? Because I mean, that could take the rest of our time, but <laughs> if you could, <laughs> I'd like to hear from Thirsty too here because I don't know, just looking in the background somehow, I feel like you might have something to say Why? on that Why? matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't like mechs at all. 
I mean, yeah, I mean uh, as we brought up earlier, there are so many inspirations for Max. So one of the first things that we had to tackle with Max was what what inspirations are we bring, even bringing in? Because if you bring in all of them, then you will end up with five thousand weapon types and and all of that. Uh, but one of the things that was quickly apparent uh, from a lot of the mech properties that we loved is that uh, there's an element of being able to swap out parts. So you can say, I want to have these legs with these arms and I want it to have like five chain whips. And you're like, <laughs> okay, sure. Um, I guess that happens in some anime or something, who knows? Um, but yeah, let's make it happen. So the idea of being able to customize your mechs was super important uh, really early on. And one of the things that comes with customization is that each of those options needs to behave in a different way. So that means, that makes certainly design a lot more complicated. Um, but one of the things that uh, Joe, in fact, was able to help out with um, when we were figuring out how is this going to work was the idea of treating each one of these components as a template, basically. Sort of like the template graphs that you find in the back of our Alien Archive books, where you slap it on, it's just a couple of lines and it says, plus one to your uh, EAC, plus one to your attack rolls, plus five hit points, done. And that way you could make several of these choices in really quick succession to build a custom mech. And all it's doing is each one is just adding a little bit. You add down the column and then you you have your hit point total. You don't have to subtract anything. You don't have to like, oh, this divides your hit points by half or you can only combine this with X, Y, and Z. It's, it's a lot more simple of just stack these little things together and your imagination goes from there. So um, that is one of the key bits of the mech system that is that's reflected in our play test. Um, another one of the another one though that was a big challenge was how many people are in a mech. Um, like some mech properties are very much like solo pilot all the time. Um, some of them are like, hey, how many Power Rangers can we cram into this uh, Megazoid and and run with it? Um, or even there's these Warhammer stuff where it's like, how many people do we need to pile this Titan? I don't know how, like, can we go into the hundreds? Um, sort of question. But um, but that, that, that raises a big question of like, okay, well, how do we balance these things? Like a mech is clearly more powerful than a soldier, right? Um, and if we put a whole bunch of people into the same mech, do they have roles? Um, I think it's fair to point out that Starship Combat has mixed reviews from folks. Like some people absolutely adore it. Some people don't really like it. And there are fair critiques and adorations all over the place. So we had to examine those and say, how do we want to uh, take lessons from Starship Combat to inform how we design mechs in a way that we ensure that everybody is contributing to the mech combat experience? And the answer was to basically give every pilot an action not just a science officer action, not just an engineer action, but no, you get to take one of the mech's actions and add an action to the mech. So the more pilots you pour into a mech, the more actions it takes, um, such that if you really do have a six person mech, then you have a mech that could potentially take six standard actions and a move action. Most of them are to fire their weapons and go pew, pew, pew. There are limits. You can't like move seven times, but it's very much trying to open it up so that everybody can be uh, doing something and maintaining a degree of the action economy that you would have had if you were on foot. Now that sounds pretty powerful. Would you say that translates to sort of the party's power level when they hop into mechs? John, he said uh, I mean, a very low ball question. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> ball and, question. And that was one of the early questions we had to 
uh, ask is how powerful are mechs really? And the first answer was more powerful than not mechs. Um, and finding where that balancing point was, uh, took a little bit of finesse, but we basically went for being in mechs is roughly three levels more powerful than you would be without mechs. Um, and there's a little bit of, uh, of messing around with the CRs and the tiers and whatnot beyond that, but that's, that is basically the calculation that we have. Um, and that means that mechs are not necessarily an every encounter tool. Uh, this is something we look to and we'll be providing the GM with uh, additional guidance on in Tech Revolution to say, how can you incorporate mechs into your game? How can you decide how much mech you want? And how can you use these mechs to create really cool set piece encounters where, yes, we were doing stuff on foot, but now we have moved on to the, oh my gosh, it's the Kyokor on Daimalko. Everybody into the mech for this one big mech encounter. Why are we using the mech? Because it lets us take on something that we could not have taken on before. And that feels cool because we're like, it feels like we're really pushing the limit of what our character should even be allowed to touch. So I'm glad you mentioned uh, Daimalko there. That's uh, a, a kaiju ravaged planet in our setting that uh, also has mechs traditionally. And finally, now people can play out those scenarios. Uh, people, I have seen people asking like, what kinds of mechs are going to be available here? Like, why aren't there... Why aren't there sample mechs, uh, for instance? And that's a great question. And I'd love for us to tease a little bit what might be coming along with this system, this underpinning, uh, what kind of stuff we might be adding uh, and providing people with in the final product that they can be excited about. I mean, once, yes. once you have a new system, <laughs> then you really have to ask like, what can I even make with these? And so one of the things that we are looking forward to in Tech Revolution is having sample mechs for you to play around with. Sort of like when we introduced starships, and it was like, "Here's some cool new starships," uh, that sort of idea. I, I'm I'm just gonna gush for a moment, and like I don't know, I don't know if this is spilling the beans, but like, eh, what are they gonna do? Fire me? We've been in some, we've been in some really fun, uh, fun meetings where we've seen some like art of uh, like very, very initial like concept art, and uh, those meetings have been just some of the the coolest I've been in at the company. Seeing some of the the different factions that exist in our games and different organizations and like what would a mech from bleh, look i don't want to i don't want to say well yeah, you know, yeah. like i don't want to say specific <laughs> ones you know fill in the blank but seeing just how those can be rendered as a mech has just been so cool and then having discussions on like okay well you know what what makes the mechs of this group different from this group and how do we showcase that those have just been some of the the more interesting and i think uh dynamic conversations we've had on the starfinder team just from all of us getting involved and pitching ideas and bringing in the the sort of different knowledge bases we have those have been really really fun so i do think that um when it when it comes time to to seeing tech revolution and some of the the artwork that will come along with these mechs uh and just some of the the base design that's going to go into you know again what makes some of these mechs i see in chat like what's an eoxian mech look like it's really cool um <laughs> that that sort of that sort of approach is going to be great yeah shout outs to uh kent hamilton who's yes. doing those those sketches and uh sarah robinson of course our director she has a really cool title now uh, i'm blanking on of course but I, I feel bad designer. for them sometimes. Oh, thank you. She, uh, you know, they, they come to us, show us these awesome sketches looking for feedback. And the first few seconds is everyone just being like, 
jaw dropping silence and saying like, that's awesome. It's like, yeah, but it was actual feedback. <laughs> so, and then uh, yeah, and been... Kent is great. Cause it's like, I like this. Can you turn it into, I don't know, like a centipede? Yeah, sure. In the meeting. So, Sony, you'll see some really interesting stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, how about specific feedback we're looking for in, in mech in our mech system? We've already gotten some that's been very useful, very useful. Uh, and we're paying attention to that, of course. Uh, but is there anything in particular? I've already sort of showed my hand here about wanting to know about the inspirations, like the kinds of mechs that people want to play. I think that's that's actually really going to help us narrow the system to more specifically what people are looking for. But do you all have anything like that? Um, I mean, one thing that I will just reiterate is I'd love to see what the uh, the organized play involvement is in this, and that's a little that's a little personal. But um, <laughs> again, just seeing you know how many people from organized play are interested in mechs, want to see it ported over into like organized play scenarios and whatnot. So their involvement in the play test will will really help us get a sense of you know how many people in our community are interested in this. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the most um... One of the most aggressive things about the mech design is how the action economy is handled and the idea of wow if we have a crowded mech that does have these five or seven actions seriously how does it play out how did it handle um did everybody have the chance to feel like they were contributing with everybody crammed into the same uh helm um did your opponent stand a chance did did you feel about three levels stronger uh in all the things um, or even when I was running some um, some local playtests of the system before we sent it out to everybody here, um, just does it feel cool? Like, did you enjoy it? Did you walk away saying, you know what, uh, an on-level challenge did feel like a challenge? These are all really important things uh, because no matter what the mechanics are, we want it to feel cool. We want it to feel rewarding and gratifying to be able to step into a mech and say, this is a thing that I'm going to do knowing that I'm going to feel even cooler rather than, oh, I guess we have to mech things now, don't we? Um, <laughs> you know, we totally want the more fun side of it. Yeah, that's something I should uh, reiterate for kind of both play tests here is that, some, you know, for me, I don't know about everyone else, although I have suspicions, but sometimes just building a character is more fun than, <laughs> or sometimes you just build like six characters and you only ever play with one of them. Just the process of like diving in and saying, ooh, what options? Like I have all these options. What am I gonna pick? What backstory am I gonna create? What, you know, just just exploring that space can be as much fun as playing. Uh, and we're interested in that information from you too. So if you only get to build a mech, I we wanna hear from you about what that process was like, what could be improved, what you liked, what you didn't like, all of that. Um, so please feel like, you know, your information is valid, even if you don't get it to the table. Now, granted, everything John and Thirsty just said is true. We want to know about the actual play experience too. And that's really valuable for us um, to get a bunch of hands on that system so that we get more information than we can alone. Because as John said, he did the local play test, but hundreds of hours of play test is going to always going to be more revealing than, than our limited ability to do so. So but I, but, and that goes for the nanosite class too. If you just get to build one, or even if you're just looking through the material and you have some thoughts, share them with us. We want to hear it. So again, starfinderplaytest.com is a great place to do that. 
I appreciate um, chat right now saying there goes Joe literally calling out every player imaginable who sits there making <laughs> stacks of characters. <laughs> One day yeah, I'll we be did. in a Starfinder game. <laughs> One day. <laughs> Somebody had the great feedback while we were building these surveys of like, uh, nobody's just going to build one of these things. So when you're asking like, which, which nanosite max did you pick? Let's be clearer that we're asking like for the highest level one you made <laughs> because yeah, <laughs> it's totally a thing. Um, anything else y'all want to say about mechs before we maybe move into some questions and a more free form chat? I'm ready for some questions. I think, yeah. yeah. I, uh, let's let's look for questions. Please toss them in about playtesting in general, or these classes, or the process behind them. Uh, there was Hit one that up. I spotted about twenty minutes ago while we were in the nanosite. Um, mm -hmm. Saw somebody asking why make the nanosite a class and not an archetype. Um, so one of the what, one part of the answer is available space to do all of the cool nanite things that we would want somebody to be able to do with nanites. Uh, that's way more than a single page or even a spread. Uh, so two pages. Um, so like there's so much, there's so much potential to the idea that a class is really more fitting. Um, that's the, that's the primary answer that I would give here. Yeah. And, and I, I think, I think too, with, with our game, like sometimes some archetypes could, could in theory be a class, um, but and it's really a matter of what we what we're like wanting to explore and what we think it brings that's new to the setting. Um, like the 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 nanosite class brings so much that is very iconic in sci-fi sci-fantasy tropes that it just it just felt like a really good fit for the game and the universe because one of the things we want to make sure that we're doing with classes is when we're bringing them in that they're they're feeling new and fresh especially in Starfinder where you know all these new classes we're adding are, are new classes um we don't have like the pathfinder second edition thing where you might have seen them in first edition what we're really bringing is a lot of super new content that we want to make sure that it's going to have a, a place in the ecosystem and do we have that like extra space to explore it versus an archetype which is a smaller smaller scale but it can be applied to a lot, a diff lot of different areas so it's true. One thing with our Pathfinder legacy kind of, you know, all ever present, it's in our core rulebook. We have a whole chapter on it. Uh, we, we intentionally avoid sort of the blank in space, the PF1 class in space uh, idea and look more to what is this, what does this different genre allow us to, to do that we couldn't do in just a straight fantasy game. So that's often one of our focuses. Um, Gosh, I had something else to say about that and I've blinked. So do you have any other questions here? Let's see. When is the play as a kaiju play test coming out? <laughs> hmm, now I'm thinking GMs like, only. I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many kaiju do we have even? I think we have at least Two right a now? few. Yeah. Kenki. Two. Um the the Kyokor and the Takinki, I think, are the Tinkinki, two Dimalkin yeah. ones. But I also I also know we uh, we don't call them kaiju in Starfinder. We are very That's particular. They are <laughs> colossi. So that is a, a subtle distinction. Trust me, I know because I really wanted to name a scenario kaiju heist, but it had to get changed <laughs> last minute. So I see a question. Oh, John, did you have something? Nope. Please go. Uh, I see a question about what's the rationale behind there not being a mech sheet. It's a little inconvenient to say the least. I totally hear that. Uh, the, the main reason we 
have been planning to have a mech sheet in the final book, but given that we are putting this out there for improvements and we expect there to be significant changes, probably, uh, making a sheet that then we have to remake doesn't make quite as much sense. Uh, and you know, we're also interested in seeing kind of how people navigate that. Part of it is if we give you a sheet, we're kind of telling you how to build mechs by saying, here's how to step through the process even more so than we are with just presenting the rules. And I personally am interested in how, how difficult is it to build a mech? Like how hard is it to do? If it's, if it's like virtually impossible without a mech sheet, that probably tells us something that we want to know. Um, so I uh, totally hear you on not having it for the playtest, but it, it was, it's definitely on our radar for sure. John, I feel like I interrupted you if you had something you wanted to talk nope, about. I was just Go scanning for. through for questions, in fact. Gotcha. Do, do, do. See another question about cheat sheets in our books for like Starship Combat rules. That's something we got to do with the beginner box, right? We got to have a cool player aid card that told you your basic actions that were available to you. I'm always interested in stuff like that. Uh, I, I feel like our accessories line is a pretty good way of of getting cheat sheet like, you know, we have the Starfinder rules reference cards, which for any given uh, scenario, especially if you're GM prepping, you can just grab the ones that you know are gonna come up and just have them and not need to flip through the book. So but definitely in terms of including them in books, it's something to think about for sure. Is there a mech jockey class in the works? <laughs> I mean, one, one of the things to consider is that mechs are like Starship Combat, mechs are something that uh, most or all of your party is going to be using at a given time. And so um, having a mech jockey class would do two things. One, it would make the, the mech experience uneven between the different characters in your party. But the other thing is that it would then make it so that the mech jockey really has to have the mech most or all of the time, which changes up the nature of not only how encounter difficulties are calculated with the assumption that, of course, our mechs are bringing up the power level sum, but also it plays absolute havoc with any maps we might want to include in an adventure. It's like, all right, we're going to investigate this goblin uh, neighborhood in Absalom Station Spike District. Can I bring my colossal mech? No. Um, that becomes a difficulty. So uh, I see many I see many hurdles for making such a class. And that might archetype. be something even looking at like what we've done uh, in the core book, like that might be a theme. There might be like a theme that works really well with giving you a couple extra little little bonuses to to being a, a mech pilot, but that's not your, you know, the, the complete focus of your class or, or a drill down on your class. Again, similar to, to Starship Combat in that way. That's a great point. You know, if, if uh, one of the questions on our mech survey is how do you want to see mechs incorporated into your games? Do you want full campaigns? Do you want it to be some more like Starship Combat where it, every now and then you <clears> pop into some mechs and wreak havoc and then go back to your normal lives? Uh, and, you know, I'm thinking of Adventure Paths we do where in the first volume we'll say, you know, here are some themes that would be good for your character in this campaign. So if we were to do a scenario or an adventure path, or if you're if you're doing a, a home campaign of your own design and you know you're gonna be in mechs the whole time, then having that sort of initial option, like Thirsty was saying about where it's tweaking your character um, so that with the foreknowledge that you're gonna be using it a lot, um, it makes a lot of sense. The, I'm seeing the question about why is nanocyte a class rather than something less fundamental. 
And it reminded me of what I forgot what I wanted to say earlier, which is that as John has pointed out too, uh, nanites are everywhere uh, and they're already in our game, right? There's nanites, there's nanites and uh, nanobots and things like that in spells and equipment. It, it was already kind of like floating in Starfinder and uh, this is something that it can kind of coalesce around and really be a showcase of, like John was saying earlier, this sort of magical technology, you know, indistinguishable from magic, I guess, uh, that that is very sci-fi and uh, it's a little sci-fi fantasy too. Uh, what else uh, we got? I see here? a highlighted question. Uh, what is the yeah. goal behind nanocyte faculties? Do you want to speak to that, John? Sure. Uh, so nanocyte faculties uh, serve in some ways almost like soldier fighting styles, where they are ways of refining what you're really good at and what you're able to do. Um, the faculties basically give you, I think, five different abilities over the course of your character's progression um, that will make your nanites better at a particular task. So there's the regeneration one, which says, hey, there are a couple of little temporary hit point-based abilities in the nanosite. What if we did more of that? Um, there's obliteration, which is, what if I just wanted my nanites to melt people? Um, discorporation is, all right, I want to melt down. I want to turn into a nanite ooze. Let me be an ooze. Um, and so things oh, like yeah. that, where it's, where it's more than a single uh, nanite, nanosite knack might accomplish and represents more of what would almost be like a feat chain or a knack chain, something like that. Uh, but we just turn it into its own separate thing that you could invest in and know that you're always going to be getting cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's a cool question here about, uh, can we elaborate on what insetting use and adoption mechs will have? Uh, are they war machines, general tools, special equipment, all of the above? And I think, I believe in the playtest document, we kind of hinted that. And I think John has already said during this stream uh, that the final book will have a lot of cool advice for GMs, which also players, you know, as a player more often myself, I enjoy reading about the setting and, and what is, we, we talked about this a lot on the team, like what is the role of a mech in the universe, like in, in, the, in the galaxy of Starfinder? Are they like cars that everybody knows how to drive them? Are they more like, uh, you know, specialized military equipment, which is where kind of where we landed that they're sort of like tanks, right? Like you're not, your average person is not gonna hop in a tank and be able to operate it perfectly, but it has that sort of military feel. John, did you want to speak to that more? Yeah, and, and that, was, that was a challenge in uh, first looking at mechs and saying, how do we even fit these into our setting? Have they always been there? Is this new technology? What do mechs usually do in the properties that inspire us? Well, this one, they kill people. This one, they kill people. This one, they kill people. Uh, this, one, this one, they only stomp on people, which ultimately kills them, but it's different. Um, so we've, we've explored expanding the uses of uh, mech some. So uh, no doubt we'll be exploring like how they're used for reconnaissance because half of the planets we introduce are terrible places to be. Um, it's like, this one's made of solid radiation. Cool, send in a mech. Uh, maybe that can explore it instead. So uh, those sorts of situations. Uh, but also um, one of the things that really intrigued me with uh, setting development is where did this technology come from? And Starship Operations Manual explores like some of the manufacturing side of Starships. I'm really intrigued to explore uh, even in uh, tech revolution, where did mech technology come from? How has it spread? Did it arise independently in multiple places? And we already have some cool story ideas behind that. So we have a question about design wise. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm choking up because this is so beautiful. <laughs> design wise, does making mechs lead you to eventually making a mech AP? 
And someone had a similar question about scenarios being <clears throat> kind of all or nothing mechs. Since I'm losing my voice. <laughs> I, I, can, I can, I can jump in real quick here. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about scenarios, first of all. I think with scenarios, um, the plan would be to treat them very much like how we've treated Starship Combat. I think it's safe to say that once mechs come into the game and we have a tech revolution book, there might be like a mech tag that we associate with scenarios. Uh, there, there might be some, you know, additional information. I'm like, okay, Starfinders are exploring a planet and they uncover a mech and suddenly there's a kaiju attacking and they got to get in the mech. We'd, we'd look at something like that where it would be fairly contained to an adventure or even an adventure series. Something we're doing with uh, season three right now with Starfinder Society is creating these kind of block series that have, have an overarching theme. One of them this season, uh, season for example, is um, the Vast Experiment, which is going to have a little bit of a starship focus scene after the, the first adventure. So kind of getting into that uh, is, is important. And I think it's letting the players know so that players who are, yeah, maybe mechs aren't for me, cool you don't have to go into that that scenario but those who are really interested we give a clear indication of this scenario we'll have a mech get your mech on um and like anything we just kind of watch to see what the popularity is um as far as adventure paths i i don't necessarily think you'd you'd see like the full mech adventure path happening right away but what you might see would be unearthing a mech that the players get to use in one of the adventures to sort of test test those waters out and introduce it in a small way yeah, I mean, mechs are, there, there's a part of uh, like looking at mechs in adventures from almost a video game level design standpoint where you're doing what you normally do. You're moving over here, you're moving over here. And this room happens to have a mech that you could commandeer and throw two of the PCs into to go on your mech apocalypse rampage for, you know, two encounters before, oh gosh, there is a door that is way too small and a wall that is too thick to burst through. I guess we have to ditch the mech. Okay, but we had fun with it. Let's, let's, uh, keep going. So mechs are something that can show up briefly and then you can play with them and then discard them as you need. You don't have to have uh, a, a group mech or set of mechs every time. Yeah, it's a great option to add to most campaigns and that's kind of the way we see it. Uh, so do, 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 seeing a lot of questions about flavor, which I think we've covered pretty well. I think we have time for maybe one more question before we have to wrap up for the next panel. Yeah, let's do that. What's what's the final question? Let's have something wonky. <laughs> something wonky. Whoa. Yeah. I, mean, I saw one earlier about like if we encounter a mech, should we just run? <laughs> well, there are hopefully... scenarios and adventures where you should just run, and more players need to learn this. Just because there's a CR scaling system does not mean the writer or the GM will always follow it. You should be ready to run. <laughs> uh, but all. but importantly, uh. There's uh, information in the playtest for GMs making mechs to challenge the players, and they are designed a little bit like creatures are, uh, and mechs could be of any uh, level or CR or tier. So just because you run into a mech doesn't mean that it is impossible to destroy. Um, it could be something that uh, you're able to take down. It is even something that if you climb it and tear open the hatch, you could potentially commandeer. Um, so, you know, have fun with it. I don't know. These Let's, are characters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is a time to, to live big and, and challenge hard and then find out that mechs have an ability called Hurl that they can just throw <laughs> you across the battlefield and then game over. 
Let's throw up the uh, last slide here as we hit our last question or two, uh, which is just a uh, join us has the the website that you'll want, which is starfinderplaytest.com redirects you to the actual landing page. And again, that has links to forums where you can get up-to-date clarifications on anything you might need to actually run the playtest. Uh, it has the surveys, it has the document itself. Um, and we would definitely want to encourage you to do as much or as little of the playtest as you can manage. These are trying times. Uh, you have about a month and a half. This ends on September 18th. So that's a known number of weekends, if weekends still mean anything to you, uh, <laughs> to get things to get things on the table with your friends. And I saw, so this is kind of a minor question, but can I fit in a mech as a dragonkin? And this sort of speaks to me too. Uh, well, yes is the short answer. <laughs> um, but I've seen similar questions with uh, nanocytes, like can this can this species be a nanocyte? And it's definitely important to us that you know you still have all the flexibility that Starfinder offers. This is both the class and the mech system are offering you more options, more different ways to diversify. So any species can be a nanocyte. And sometimes you know, like we talked about the the spathinase, already a swarm, getting more swarm in its swarm. Yeah. You know that I think those provide cool storytelling opportunities where at first they might not make sense or be a little counterintuitive, but then there's, I feel like that provides more opportunity for creative storytelling and uh, just role-playing in these role-playing games that we play. So I think I'll leave it here so that we can get ready for the next, uh, next panel. I wanna thank John Compton and Thurston Hillman for joining us today, talking about the playtest, and thank you all for participating in whatever way you can in the playtest and helping us make this class and this mech system even better for the final release next year at Gen Con. So we'll see you then. Thanks all. Transforming sounds. <laughs> <laughs>